Good morning. I'm your host, Matt Monero. Welcome to the I Need More Money radio show. I come to you every Thursday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, from our offices here in Dallas, Texas. It's normally in our studio, but today I'm coming to you actually from my office. Why? Because we had a flood. When we have floods, I need more money. See, that's how it plays out, y'all. We need more money because you don't know what's coming around the corner. I've got two amazing guests on the show today. I'm about to bring them in right now. I'd like to introduce my first guest to you today on today's program. I have Holly Signorelli and Frank Kushner. Holly and Frank are partners coming to us. Holly's out of Dallas, Texas, but she's in Frank's office in New York. They're going to join us on the show today uh, as we talk about more money. Listen, I have a firm belief that we need more money. Holly and Frank, are you with me? Yes. More money is good. More money is... uh, I don't know why so many people are afraid to talk about it and why everybody thinks that that the concept of wanting more money, there's something wrong with it. I completely disagree with it. We all need more money. Holly and Frank, before I bring you in officially, let me do an introduction here so everyone understands exactly who you are. Um, Holly Signorelli is based out of Dallas, Texas, where I'm based out of. Holly's a CPA, a wealth manager, the author of Do You Know Where Your Money Is?, And she is a very highly sought-after personality known as the money therapist when she comes on on shows on all major networks across the United States. I'm pleased to welcome Holly and Frank to the show. Welcome you both. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great to be here. Awesome. How is our weather in New York today? It's amazing. Oh, it is? No humidity. My hair is actually staying where I put it, you know. It's flying everywhere with the humidity. Frank, is your hair staying where you put it? Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Well, it's 100 still in Dallas. So, So, Holly and Frank, listen, welcome to joining the show. As as Holly, I know you know, Frank, uh, you as a new guest for us and our audience knows, I I bring this show to our audience every Thursday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Because I have a new book that's coming out next year called I Need More Money. What to do when you wake up and you don't have enough. And um, I'm proud to say that that book got picked up by Penguin, um, a big four publisher. I got a big fat advance for it. And, uh, and now I'm, I'm in a heavy deadline to get that thing out for 2017 release. But it's a story that stems to when I lost my brother-in-law uh, last year, and I lost my brother-in-law, my wife's brother. Um, he was 46 years old with four kids. He had uh, no health insurance, no life insurance, and $100 in the bank. And um, wow. yeah. and it was such an amazing wake-up call for me and my family that uh, I wanted to write a book about it because I believe... The lack of money is an epidemic. Now, my brother-in-law, I loved him. My wife was insanely in love with her brother. They were just thick as thieves. But guess what happened? They all, his kids all had iPhones. They all dressed well. They lived in Capel, Texas, in a nice town. And, and nobody knew that they were in that sort of financial situation. I mean, look, Holly, help, help the audience understand. Why is it that so many people don't, take their futures more seriously when it comes to money? Well, when I wrote my book, it's because, um, you know, we've had so many ups and downs over the last 20 years and especially 10 years, and what I saw in my practice was that after 2008, people really lost hope 
so and, and they were really struggling and I, I always call it a spending starvation like people just did not have enough money like you're saying and then when the economy turned around and people were making not just good money again but more money than they ever had then they went into an equal and opposite spending spree and I saw people spending hundreds of thousands of dollars from their business not paying taxes and ending up with credit card debt too so then I realized that everyone's making emotional decisions, which is that's what my book is about. This emotions like you know, like desire. Um, you know, you just want something, and all these ads tell you that everything's priceless, that it's totally okay to have the credit card debt, and everybody's so used to it they don't even think about it anymore. Or a lot of times people they nickel and dime themselves, so they buy stuff that has absolutely no meaning to them because oh, it's only dollars, you know, and it adds up to a thousand dollars, things like that. And um, the you know one more of those emotions is is jealousy. You know, a lot of times people overextend even in the housing. You know, when the housing market was really low, people would still overextend because they would think, oh, okay, well I'm going to get this really great price. Well, it doesn't matter what the price is or if it's on sale. It's can you afford it? You know, does that does that make sense for the income that you have? Because a lot of people ended up house poor because of that. So those are the kind of things that I've seen. I think that's a that's, that's an amazing interpretation of it, Holly. I really do. I think there was exactly what you said. By the way, that that um, starvation or that desire to just do lots of little spends versus a big spend happens in my house. And I just noticed it yesterday. I walked out of my master closet. And I literally had a hard time getting past the door because on the back of the door, my wife must have had, no joke, she must have had 40 scarves hanging on the hanger <laughs> on the back of the door. And I, I went to her, I said, what is the deal with all these scarves? And she's like, they're only $20 a piece. I'm like, yeah, but there's 40 of them. It's probably 800 You could have bought an Hermes yes. scarf for 800 bucks. Yes. That's hilarious. I don't. I want to know how many pairs of, or how many purses that she has. Then, if she has that many scarves, <laughs> those, those, those purses are a lot more expensive. Yeah, yeah. That's my guilty pleasure with my wife, though. I like to buy her nice purses. I really do. She loves purses. I like that. It's always that's that's one of the standard gifts I get her. But your point is so true, and I experience it in my. My world. I mean, I, 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 you know, I like to think that that in our financial situation, we can handle twenty dollars scarves as many as she wants to buy. But the reality is, it's it's not the money. It is the emotional connection to that. It's important for my wife to buy. She yeah. she wants to buy, and she get, feels guilty about big spends, but she doesn't feel the least bit guilty about tons of little spends. Yeah, yeah, and it adds up. It's crazy. And a lot of times when people are overspending, it is because they don't think that they are going to get more money. Like maybe they're they got a bonus, you know, a really nice bonus. So then they think, well, that's just uh, or an inheritance or something like that. So and when it comes in that form, it's, people always say this to me, and it's so funny. It's like, well, it's not really my money. Well, yes, it is. If you got a bonus, it's your money. <laughs> it's not something to throw away. You know, it's your tax bill too. Yeah. One of the things that I've noticed uh, over time, by the way, I'm a certified financial planner and a uh, contrib regular contributor on a couple of different shows. And it's interesting because we've had this conversation a couple of times before. One of the things that's very difficult also is that as Americans, we live to our means and we spend what we make. Mm -hmm. And you have no idea. Like I, I, was, I can't find it right now. I was kind of looking on the line again, but I, I basically had read a, an article and it talked about 
the percentage of people that make up to $150,000 a year that couldn't come up with $1,000 if like something happened to their car or yeah. if they needed, you know, medical, uh, you know, some some kind of copay on their medical. The the number of people, it was a staggering number. I want to say in the 40s, you know, somewhere around 40% of the people who could come up with $1,000 even if they made 150000 a year. And that's just because, you know, you, you, we spend more. You know, yeah. if you make that much, you know, your house is going to be a little nicer and your taxes are going to be higher and your car is going to be nicer. So everyone just upgrades and they spend everything that they make. And that's, that's a habit that, you know, we as Americans need to stop. Yeah. Yeah, it, you have to be aware of the, the um cost of the house or your your car if you have expensive tires and things like that so it's all the maintenance that people forget about when they're they're buying big ticket items but you know uh frank and holly here's what changed my financial situation though where i i mean look i'm a big fan of dave ramsey i i like a lot of those strategies as a very entry-level strategy but when I began to stop worrying about beans and rice and rice and beans and saving 20 bucks on my cable bill, and I figured out how the heck can I scale my business so I can, I can enjoy great, more hooks in the water for income opportunities, that's really what changed my financial situation. So let's talk about, do you all believe that a person can actually expense and save their way to wealth, or do you believe, like I believe, that it is purely a revenue growth, earn more money play? Uh, I, I'm always about making more money, but I think it's both. You know, I was doing a speaking engagement recently about how if you take a percentage of your your gross income, I'm not talking about really taxes, but like let's say that every time you get a check, you put 10% into your savings immediately, then just like Frank was saying, a lot of people end up spending, especially through their business accounts, um, whatever is in there, and they kind of lose track of it. So, you know, that's what they call paying yourself first. Put it into your savings first. So, I, you know, I think it's both. Make more money, but whatever money that you do have, be really smart with it and pay the bills. And the and if you have any credit card debt, then pay that off and put money into your savings before you start buying those fun items. Because it is so much more fun to buy something with cash, you know, or you're using your debit card, same thing. Um, it, it is such a better experience than getting that credit card or, or knowing that you don't have any savings. Well, let me ask you, yeah, too. Uh, Frank, I'm yeah, sorry to interrupt you. Another... Go ahead, Frank. Go ahead, Frank. <laughs> I just wanted to answer your question a little bit as well. I just wanted to talk about how it is a combination of both. Obviously, you know, pick up the phone, give yourself a raise. You know, so you, you obviously the more income that you make, the better off your situation is going to be. But on the flip side, your money can't, you can't just leave your money sitting, you know, if you have an emergency savings already and you have extra money sitting in your bank account, you need to give your money a job too. That's why you need to take whatever's additional and put that into like an investment account because you need to beat inflation. You need to be at least 3% a year in the account or let's say you have $100 or, you know, if, if inflation's 3%, really next year you only have $97. So it's better to beat inflation with an investment account, let your money work for itself as well. In addition, find extra streams of revenue. Be a hustler. You know, it's all about being in sales. In any way, shape, or form, that's going to help you in the, in the long run. So I think a good takeaway for the audience right now dovetails to both of your comments here. So, so let's not just talk about the concept of, because really, let me be frank with you, the publisher's biggest pushback on my book was 
the title being, I need more money, they were like, no shit, Sherlock. I know everybody needs more money. I need more money. But the key is you got to tell me how. So let's talk about this idea of inflation connected to investment. Where should someone put their money to beat a 3% annual inflation rate? Vegas. No. <laughs> so if you take a look, right now we have a little bit of a, a, a weird dislocation in the market. Traditionally how it goes, you, you know, you want to figure out your asset allocation based on your age and what your risk tolerance is and your experience. But ultimately what it breaks down to is if you take a look at over the long term in any, you know, 10-year period or whatever, the market traditionally outperforms usually does somewhere around 6%. Um, if a Democrat's in office, it's 9%. But regardless of that, you know, if you invest your money, on average, you should try to, you know, you're probably going to be somewhere in this the 5 6% range. And that's going to help. So, you know, some in, in equities, some in, in fixed income, and some in cash. But what if somebody just doesn't have a network of a financial planner or someone to find who, who to turn to? I mean, should they just, just buy the simple index mutual fund and be done with it? You know, I do know people that do that. My brother always did that, um, and he seemed happy with it because he, he didn't want to be too aggressive or too conservative, and he didn't want to have to micromanage it or, or pay somebody. And sometimes people do feel that way. A lot of times when the market's booming, though, then people feel like, um, I've seen this so many times in my career, they feel like, okay, this is easy, anybody can do it. And then sometimes, you know, a bull year is, is, is followed by a, a bad year, and then people really lose lose a lot of money because it, it, there's so much more to it, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis and picking the right the stocks and funds, you know. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Frank, let me ask you a question. How much cash should someone actually have in this emergency fund before they begin to ask themselves the question of when do I need to beat inflation? Sure. And it, it kind of varies location by location. Here in New York, I would say you want to have at least a year, uh, year's worth of expenses. So that means, A, you've got to get yourself together and put together a budget so you know what your expenses really are, mm -hmm. right? And then, and then, then I would say, you know, in New York where it's really expensive here and, you, you know, there's no guarantee you're going to get the job you want in, you know, three to six months, I say a year of expenses just to be safe. Obviously, that makes a difference whether or not you have a working spouse as well. Um, but then the second thing is in perhaps like in, in the Dallas area where the cost of living is a little less, you could probably go six months to nine months with an emergency savings. Mm -hmm. I would say that those are probably your, your, your key numbers right there. Yeah. So in reality, you're talking somewhere, I mean, let's be frank, let's just, even if the average median income is 51 to 54,000 in the United States, you're talking four grand a month times six months, 25,000 to 50,000 on the very, very low end, but it could certainly be, you know, 100 to 150,000 or 200,000 if somebody's making 10 grand plus a month, so, or expending 10 grand a month plus. So, I mean, we're talking about some pretty real money here that needs to be socked away. And it wouldn't even be that much because if you're making 50, you're, you're taking, you have taxes coming out and Social Security. So if you're talking about what your actual bills are, not including the extra stuff, then it might be, you know, half of that or two-thirds of that depending on, you know, it really depends on the person and how much money they have left over after their bills. Yeah. Right. You have to hope. You have to hope that you're going to spend more time, you know, hitting the bricks and looking for a job than uh, going to 
going out with your friends every night like you normally do whenever you're when you have a real job. So yeah, <laughs> right, right. That number's a little less. <laughs> right. Hey, I want. I'd like to ask both of you this question because I have a hard stance on this, and and it freaks a lot of people out, and a lot of people disagree with it. But I'd like your stance on it. I believe that life begins at one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Life gets better at two fifty, and life gets real good at five hundred grand. What do you guys think about that? I agree, but I will say because I work well, we both work with people that have money, right? You know, if you're using a CPA, you've got some kind of money and financial planning. Um, we definitely both have worked with people that have a lot of money and are not happy. So I, I can see they're not happy people, you know. But um, I think absolutely having a lot of money is a great thing. I mean, it gives you a lot of freedom and flexibility, and you get to travel if that's what you want. I mean, that's something that's big for me. And, um, you know, have the things that you want to have and, and have a better, um, you know, security as long as you're not one of those people like I was started at the, at the beginning saying where, you know, people can, they can go through, you know, $400,000 in a year and not even pay their taxes. So <laughs> but if you're not one of those, I do agree with you. It just, it does make... It just gives you more freedom and flexibility, you know, to do the things that you want to do. Right, and that's that's the goal is obviously to get up into those higher numbers. But you know, it doesn't matter how much money you make. The more money you make, the more problems you have, for sure. You know, you'll start. You know, if you're making five hundred thousand dollars a year after you get done paying taxes, you, you start to really hate the government. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt about Tax it. Tax rates are brutal right now. Yeah. But Holly, I know you've worked with thousands and thousands of individuals and business owners. Tell me one of the stories that jumps out at you as, you know, th this was such an egregious a misuse of money and earnings and, and all of that. Tell me, tell me one of the worst ones you can remember. Well, I, you know, I've, I've had a few people, um, you know, go through... Like I was saying earlier, you know, um, upwards of a half a million, and then what happens is if you don't pay your taxes and you've made that much money, you're going to owe around 150000 in taxes. So if you get to the end of the year and you've made a lot of money like that and you've spent it all and even have some credit card debt on top of it or a line of credit maybe, then you don't have that 150 to pay. And the IRS charges 25%. And when you owe, you know, six digits like that, you get in a special department, you know, where they'll start <laughs> levying things and garnishing things. So, you know, it's, it's really, really important to always, you know, pay your taxes first. You know, just do it if you're a business owner because um, a lot of times business owners, they spend a lot out of their business account and that's personal and they know it's not tax deductible, but they lose sight of it. So then they'll say, um, I made less money this year, but then they actually made more money. And I usually pull up a report, like on QuickBooks, and it shows them how much they've spent on personal stuff. And I've had, you know, own men cry in my office when they see that because they're like, wow. Yeah. You know, that it, and because you really shouldn't intermingle the funds, um, it's, it's, makes it you more aware of your spending if you transfer it over to your personal account and buy your personal stuff there. And that's something that most business owners do. They, they spend out of their business account. And I've done it too. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's not deductible. But again, it has to do with like being aware of your spending and um, especially when it comes to your taxes. 
But that's what that's what I see is the worst thing is when somebody has a tax issue like that that didn't need to have a tax issue, and um, it's it's really painful. You yeah. know, you got to go through paying a lot of uh, taxes and stress and extra penalties. Um, you know, that's where I see people. Um, getting really messed up on the overspending, for sure. Well, you know, a lot of people don't realize as well, though, that that, that tax burden never goes away, even if they file bankruptcy. So uh, there is no right. way to get out from underneath that that tax bill. You're going to pay it, heck or high water, you're going to pay that bill. Yeah, and if you're making that kind of money, you probably can't do an offer and compromise either. That's right. Although there have been people that, you know, were able, they, they maybe they lost their job or something happened to where their income did go down, sure. and so I have done those kind of offer and compromises, but those, you know, take at least a year, so then now you have a whole other year that you're putting your life on hold. You know, one of the things that we've done in my business for many, many, many years is we take 10% off the top line revenue, so every dollar that gets deposited into our company account, 10% gets taken out, and we put it uh, into a separate, we call it our reserve account. And we do that weekly. So we force a minimum of a 10% net profit margin out of the company. And that money gets transferred every single Friday from the operating account into the reserve account. And uh, gosh, I can't tell you how many times it saved our butts. Yeah, that is amazing. That's, everybody should do that, seriously. That's, and that was what I was saying at that the speaking engagement that I did. If you just take 10%, well, what I had recommended was 10% into a tax account because it's, that's not your tax rate because it's from the top, like you said, you know, from, from everything that you collect, and then 10% into your, um, your savings account because you'll probably have plenty of taxes set aside or, you know, to do it quarterly depending on if you're doing it monthly or quarterly. But it's just a really good way to really take control of your finances and, and be empowered by it because when you start seeing those numbers going up, 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 and then, like you said, if you have a bad, everybody has a, all businesses have some kind of a slow month, you know? Sure. No matter what. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe not you with the financing, because that's year-round. But even in the CPA world, it's like November and December are slow. So it's like, you know, having that reserve makes you feel good about those times, too. I think it also forces, uh, I, I refer to it as forcing a gritty profit margin. I think a lot of people literally don't know how much money their business makes. And and I made that mistake many, many years ago. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to open the door every day if we're not going to make at least a 10% net after-tax profit margin. And so we force that issue. And I think more business owners yeah. should do that as well. Listen, if you can take it to 10 or if you can take it to 20 or 30 or 40%, knock yourself out. But 10 is a good starting point, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really smart because that's what you're doing. You're, you're paying yourself first, and then, then you don't even have to worry about it. Yeah. Because people, again, they can overspend with when it's sitting into their, their business account, for sure. Frank, tell me the New York story, though. Holly gave us the Texas story, but in New York, it's always amplified. Tell me the story of where you said to yourself, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this guy just did what he did with his money. Yeah, I and I see it. I see it a lot, and uh, the the one that's like that just sticks out in my mind right now. Uh, it's kind of fresh because one of my clients had passed away, and so I, I work with the whole family. So you see, you know, five five children are going to get a, a big lump sum of money in, in the estate. You know, several hundred thousand dollars each, right? So 
four of the five children did the right thing. They took it, they put it away for a rainy day, investing it, letting it grow. They had kids, you know, most of them are finally empty nesters. All the kids are out of college. You know, the, fa- the grandparents helped save a bunch of money for the college, so those are paid off. So it's just a bunch of, a, you know, very wealthy family as a whole. But then there's the one child that uh, that took that money and ran with it, just instead of investing it, just blew it. You know, $20,000 vacation here, and then, you know, let's pay off the house, and then, hey, let's buy another, you know, some property. So it's just completely wasted. And, and you know, when people, that's why you see that staggering number of the number of people that actually have, you know, win the lottery that... Yes, that, that's 70% yeah. are broke and have debt within three to five years. Yeah. Even Powerball. Yeah. You, know. you sit there and you get this big lump sum of money, and if you've never had money before, you're like, wow, everything looks fun, and I want to be that guy. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're... Yeah, there's also a lot of times based on how you grew up, you know, like if your parents were baby boomers and then their parents were in the depression, you know, it, they were they were really tight. But um, so sometimes people grow up being told, you know, that um, money is the root of all evil and don't be greedy and, you know, all those, those kinds of things. And even if they don't, they're not aware of it, they have these, preconceived ideas about money or they feel guilty having too much money when other people don't so and if they would be aware of those emotions then they would just give a significant amount of it to charity and they would enjoy life and give themselves security but it's that um, being uncomfortable having everything that you want all at once with things like the lottery or just or getting an inheritance and saying well it's not really my money so I'm going to, you know, put it into a risky investment, you know, instead of diversifying it, stuff like mm-hmm. that. And the sad, the really sad part about that is that, you know, the number of people that were in an older generation that saved and saved and saved uh, to, so that they could leave something for their, their children, you know, many of those people specifically lived their life, you know, to a lower degree so they could save that money for their children to give them a leg up for, you know, maybe a down payment on a house or mm-hmm. something that they thought they really needed. And then to see that money just go to to, to, to waste when they, they save so hard just is really frustrating. Yeah. yeah. That's a tough that's a one to watch. Well, listen, Frank and Holly, we're coming up on our 1030 break. I want to thank both of you for jumping on and being on the I Need More Money show with me today. Holly, tell everybody where they can continue to find out about you. I'm at themoneytherapist.com. All kinds of goodies, freebies, and um, you know some courses. I've got a. I'm about to be CE accredited for realtors by probably October 1st. I'm excited about that. Oh, sounds great. And then Frank, how about you? What's the best way for people to learn more about you? Sure, you can find me at ensemblefinancial.com. Ensemble. And uh, sometimes debt. Yeah, Ensemble Financial. Great. And then what was the last piece? Sometimes where? And sometimes you'll see me down in Dallas, you know, visiting Holly at the office. (laughs) Sounds great. I look forward to meeting you, Frank. Holly, thanks again. I appreciate everybody's time. Best of luck to you guys. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. We had a wonderful talk with Holly and Frank. Um, I appreciate everybody being on the show. I want you to understand something. This money situation is so important. Holly touched on it. The idea of the emotional connection to it. I know it sounds blasé, but listen, we got to get our money right. Sooner or later, we got to get serious about it. We got to have a plan.
and we've got to let that plan work for a long period of time. We'll talk about it more in my book, I Need More Money, coming out in 2017. Till the next time we talk, thanks.